Okay. TMG Podcast on three, two. Hello, everybody. This is Tony Barnhart, and welcome to the weekly TMG Podcast, where we're getting ready to go to the college football playoffs. Happy New Year to everybody. Uh, before we get started, we want to thank our sponsor, APA, APBA, the unchallenged king of realistic, high-quality sports simulation products. Also, want to thank David at Revelation Studios in Mansfield, Texas. So here we are. We're getting close to New Year's Eve uh, and the college football playoffs, and we're excited about it. Let's call the roll. We'll make sure everybody's here from lovely Sichuan, Mass. It is the Jersey guy, Mr. Mark Blauschen. Mr. Blauschen? I'm here today. Ready to go. Very good. Play football. All right. From the windy, windy city, we have Mr. Herb Gould uh, checking in. Mr. Gould, you with us today? I am ready and ready for some football. Excellent. For and from New Jersey, uh, the, we call him the Senator, Mr. Tom Lucci. Mr. Lucci, you with us today? Here, here, ready, Tony. Here we go. Very good. All right. Well, guys. You know what's interesting? We've talked we've talked about this on the show. We've talked about this privately. Is that there were a lot of people this summer, and I was one of them that wondered if we would get to this point. Would we actually get to championship week uh, on the verge of the playoffs? And uh, here we are. Here we are. It is hard. It is really hard to believe we're here after, after everything. So we're going we're to get to the games in just a little bit. But I, I want to go through a couple of headlines real quick uh, in college football. Uh, one is involving uh, your alma mater, Mr. Blauschen. Very difficult night for the Miami Hurricanes last night. After, uh, after Derek King had announced he was coming back to Miami for his final year, for his sixth year, he gets hurt last night in the cheese at bowl. That's, that's got to be a big blow to your alma mater, Mark Blessing. It is. And it, and it, and it put it an end to the, I mean, it started out pretty well for, for the Canes, and then it ended on the sour note with the North Carolina game, which was a total embarrassment, which everyone, even Manny D has uh, uh, admitted. And last night was, was, was not fun to watch at the start, certainly when they were down 21 nothing, and, and then Derek King gets hurt. I hope his injury isn't significant because knee injuries are knee injuries for quarterbacks, and you got to wonder what the recovery time is for that after he decided to come back. But it, it, a bittersweet ending to the to the year for for Miami at, at best. And again, it, 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 I was talking to Mr. Rucci this morning. The Kings are one and nine in the last ten bowl games. Is not a good is not a good resume to have for, for for them. So it was the season's over. They got finished with it, and it was okay year. So. Well, yeah, and the thing about it was is that we felt pretty good about Miami before they played North Carolina uh, at the right. end of the season, and from then on, it's just been just a bunch of bad roads. So, but but going back to Derek King, Mark, do you think this guarantees that he'll come back for next year, or does he say, "Man, I can't play another year of college football"? I don't know. I mean, I want to see if he can play even if he can play next year. I mean, again, I, I don't know how bad the knee injury is. If he might not right. play any football next year. We don't know. I mean, you know, you know what the recovery time for knee injuries is. It varies, but what's what's all sure. about serious? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Well, a couple other a couple other headline stuff that's happened before we get on to the games. Uh, oh, by the way, the, the bowl games, now four bowl games involving SEC teams. Four of those teams have either had their bowl canceled in the case of Tennessee and the Liberty Bowl. They had to opt out. 
because of COVID issues. So this, we were told that finishing this season would not be easy, and that is turning out to be the case. Uh, I wanted to get interest in the group. Brian Harson was named the head coach at Auburn uh, after a, a search that got a little messy, which they always do. Uh, I told some Alabama people today, some radio people, it's, you know, in that situation, if you don't have your guy already in place when you fire the other guy, you're asking for a sloppy coaching search, and that's what they ended up having. But, guys, y'all have watched what Brian Harson has done at Boise State, uh, 69 and 19, something in that ballpark. Let me ask you, Herb, you, 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 we all know about Boise State. We know how that program has developed. Can Brian Harson go into an SEC, a Big Ten setting, and translate his skills into winning? You know, Tony, it's a great question. I think that the answer is we will find out. I mean, we see, you know, we look at so many coaches who go from, you know, mid-majors, group of fives to power teams, and it doesn't work out. I mean, I'm thinking of Tom Herman at Texas. That looked like, you know, a home run. And now there's a lot of discontent down there. Uh, at that said, we just don't know, you know, if he hires the right staff to help him do the recruiting that that's really difficult in, in the Southeast part of the country. Uh, you know, it's not always about X and O's it's, it's about fit and it's about recruiting. And I'm not prepared to say yes or no. You know, we've seen it go the other way. I mean, uh, urban Meyer kind of came to a sim from a similar type of a deal and, mm-hmm. and uh, did awfully well at Florida. So, you know, the odds are against him if you add up all the numbers, but there are exceptions and, the, and there are plenty of them. <laughs> Tony, uh, Tony I, would, I would say this. The track record for Boise guys is mixed, isn't it? I mean, it is. Ken Hawkins was great at Boise, not great at Colorado. Chris Peterson was great at Boise. Uh, did a very good job at, at Washington, right? Right. And I guess prior to those two, it wasn't there very long, but Dirk Cutter. I guess he would be he would be in that mixed category. So, like Herb said, I don't I don't think you can you can tell at this point. Well, you don't know if the guys are fit or not because Peterson fit, Hawkins didn't, and I I would have said Dan Hawkins was going to be a success based on the run he had. But he no, wasn't. that's that's a real that's a really good point. Well, keep your eye on this when Harson fills out his staff. There are two guys on that Auburn staff that a lot of people want Brian Harson to keep around. One is Kevin Steele, the defensive coordinator, who has, you know, except for one pickup at Clemson, has been a, uh, a very good coach for a very long time. He's also one of their very best recruiters. The other guy involved is the defensive line coach, Rodney Gardner, who is one of the best recruiters in the SEC and has been for a long, long time. Now, the president at Auburn, Jay uh, Goose said there was no requirement made. Same thing, Alan Green, the athletic director. But I'm telling you, keep your eye on that situation after the Auburn Bowl game is over. And if they could talk Kevin Steele and Rodney Garner into staying, that's going to give them a big jump start uh, on recruiting. So keep your eye there. <laughs> Mr. Lucci, one of the things that I enjoy about you is you always come straight to the point when I ask you a question. So here, here's the one. I got asked a question. I gave a, a talk earlier this year, and I got asked the question, why does Alabama win all the time? And I said, because they've got better players than everybody else. 
And this week, the AP released its first team All-American. Six, count them, six Alabama players, five on the All-America offense from the University of Alabama. I would imagine, Mr. Lucci, that tells us a lot, does it not? Yeah, actually, probably would have been seven had they not lost the best wide receiver in the country, right? Seven All-Americans. Jalen Waddle, yes. Yeah, Jalen Waddle. So, I mean, it's just – that's what they do. And that's what they've done under Nick Saban. You know, it's, uh, I tell you what, they, Alabama fans, if it's 11 and one, 12 and oh, whatever it is, they really have to embrace this and enjoy it while they can, because they know what it's like not to be 11 and one uh, or 12 and oh every year and in contention in the playoffs, just as a lot of schools do, you know, they, that, that's why you have to kind of appreciate where this is. Uh, Mark and I were talking earlier about, how many mediocre coaches are at such high-profile programs? You know, um, I don't want to name names at this point, but you can pick them out. I mean, the programs we grew up that were just dominant, like the way Alabama is now, powerhouses, and they're kind of they're, they're kind of just flailing along. Uh, you know, they're eight and three, or they're uh, you know they're four and two as conference champions. Uh, it's yep. just you really have to appreciate what Nick Saban has done. The most remarkable aspect of it is, and I think this goes to his eye for picking out talent, not playing talent, coaching talent. They have such incredible turnover every year, and he just keeps recycling quality guys through there. So I think that's the biggest credit to Nick Saban as a coach. Well, I talked to somebody yesterday about this. Nick Saban, as great as he is, and he he will go down as the greatest college football coach ever. But I don't think we're going to fully appreciate Nick Saban until he's gone to do something else. I mean, it, it to guys in 2007 was his first year, and they had a bunch of issues. But since then, they've been in the national championship discussion almost every week for the last 10 or 12 years. It's been an amazing, amazing run, and this could be one of his best teams. So we'll 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 get to some more of that when we start talking about. Uh, the Rose Bowl in just a little bit. But there's one thing I wanted to ask you guys. Uh, Herb, Herb, you're, you're right in the middle of Big Ten country there. They let, at Michigan, they let Don Brown go. What happened to Don Brown? You know, that's a, that's a great question, Tony. I, I think that what happened is, you know, he had this great rep as a defensive coach, and he was a real risk-reward kind of guy. They were a very attacking defense and, the, and that offense was so bad that it put the defense into bad positions too many times. And their their talent level is good, but it's not what you think Michigan ought to be. Uh, you know, I think that, you know, he just it goes back to, you know, recruiting. I mean, you've got to have players. His scheme is going to work fine if he's got the right players and also uh, uh, some adjustments. But. Basically, somebody, some head has to roll when Michigan has struggled as much as they have lately, and that defense was not good this year. No, it was not, and it was really hard to figure out why they weren't better. All right, the last thing before we move on to talk, start talking about the games, and, and it's this. Tom Lucci brought up a minute ago that Alabama lost their best wide receiver, uh, Jalen, earlier in the year. Devontae steps in and guys there is a re- he is one of four Heisman finalists uh, obviously Trevor Lawrence obviously Kyle Trask uh, obviously Mac Jones but this guy could win the Heisman Trophy so let me go around the room real quick Mark Blasting before we get together again they will announce the uh, Heisman Trophy 
believe that's on January 5th. Uh, who, who would you vote for the Heisman Trophy and who's going to win the Heisman Trophy? That was a good question. I, I, I didn't think it was going to be him because, you know, I, I just don't think – I, I think – here's the problem. I, I think Alabama had three candidates, and I think they split the vote, which is why I was leaning towards, you know, Trevor Lawrence winning the thing because of just the other, the other votes were split, and Trevor Lawrence beats Trask. That, that's, that was my theory in the voting. But, but, he, but he got the – I mean, Smith got the Player of the Year award, which is a, an indicator of the Heisman uh, ballot. Yep. And, and, and I and, – a lot of guys, including Mr. Gould here, indicated where his his bout was, and that so there wasn't a quarterback, so it could, it could go that way. And 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 uh, you know he would certainly be deserving. But Lucci and I had a, Mr. Lucci and I had a conversation about this before, and I'll be interested to see what happens tonight in the in the Cotton Bowl game. Uh, Florida's going to play without, without any wide receivers or a tight end. Yeah, anyone knows about. If Kyle Tr- if, if Trask throws four touchdown passes tonight. Is either Trask the best quarterback since, since Joe Montana, or or how valuable are wide receivers, and how easily are they to replace? That's an interesting question. Uh, Mr. Lucci and I disagree on that. I I, I think that I think you can find wide receivers in a lot of places, and and, and the depth level is is pretty deep in the wide receivers across the country. Well, I, I can credit to the Florida wideouts for at least opting out before the game, unlike Tom Wallace. Who opted out at halftime and they opened the <laughs> Wow. I have, I have nothing against guys opting out. I understand. I get it. But finish the game, out. dude. Let's, finish the game, dude. Come on. Just, I mean, you know, and then, you know, and Tony says, well, maybe, maybe King's injury influenced a little bit. No, that was the plan all along to let him play at half. What's the point of that? I don't, I don't know. get that. Either do it or don't do it. It's, you can it, opt out. Nobody will criticize you. But do it, don't do it halfway. It's 2020, dude. What can we tell you? Yeah, a lot of weird right. stuff. So, Herb Gould, yeah. who, who will win the? Who should win the Heisman Trophy? Who will win the Heisman Trophy? Well, I know we're not we're not supposed to reveal our votes pre uh, pre yes. uh, selection, so I won't go there. But I will say that I, I think that the Heisman Trophy is a little bit different than an MVP award in other leagues, other sports. The Heisman Trophy should be somebody who sort of inspires us too. you know, he should absolutely be outstanding on the field. And I think that it's so skewed toward quarterbacks that we really need to give, you know, when there is a guy like a receiver we have this year, we need to give him an extra hard look. And I, I, you know, I hear what Blau's saying about votes being split. I hope not. I hope that we take this opportunity to say, no, it isn't just a quarterback award uh, because this guy, you know, has done everything as a receiver at Alabama. And I also think that, you know, there, there's a little bit of a, of a dichotomy in Clemson because you got Dabo Swinney saying that you shouldn't be able to be in the playoffs if you don't play 10 games. And yet he can promote his quarterback to win the Heisman Trophy. Although, the, and the last time I looked, he didn't play 10 games. So right. I'll ask you, which one is it? Do you have to play 10 games or not? <laughs> As one famous athletic director said that Mr. Blauschen likes to quote, that was then and this, <laughs> and this is now. Is now right. And this is now. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, let, let's take let's take a, take a minute here and look at some of the games this as Blau said, we are uh, we are taping this on the uh, on the thirtieth, and we've got Florida and Oklahoma. I think if I think Kyle Trask has the ability to carry this football team because he's done it at many many times. I've just got to see. You know, 
I just got a feeling Florida's going to find a way to win the game. What about you, Mr. Lucci? Can Florida win this game, or have they simply lost too much and the quarterback does not have enough weapons? Yeah, and I just don't think so, especially the way, you know, I, I, I feel strange saying this, especially the way Oklahoma's defense improved down the stretch. They did. Know, what really compromises Trask, besides the wide receivers and, and, not, and not having, you know, a, a, is the best tight end in America, he has no running game to fall back on. Nope. I don't think they had a, a running back rush for 100 yards in the game this year, did they? I don't think they did. I don't think they did. They, didn't, know, tr- so- they didn't try, Luce. <laughs> they didn't try. And so he's got everything on his shoulders, and he's not that kind of quarterback. He's not going to rush for 150 yards and throw for 450. He's going to throw for 450, you know, but not rush. So, no, I don't see that. And, and Spencer Rattler has, has just gotten so much better. Uh, I actually think it, the, the balance has shifted with Oklahoma – where, you know, if you look at it on a scale, the defense is kind of uh, rising up and the offense has been up. okay, even though Rattler's been better and better. But I just think Oklahoma at this point is a far more complete team than Florida is, especially well, this uh, devastated Florida team. Well, going to be interesting to watch. We'll talk about it next time we get the other. OK, let's get let's get to the main event. Let's let's start with the college football playoffs. Uh, Alabama, Notre Dame. In the Rose Bowl, first of all, that's weird uh, that the Rose Bowl will be in Arlington, Texas. But that's uh, that. Hey, that's 2020. Uh, Alabama's they open as a 19 and a half point favorite over Notre Dame. Uh, that line has only grown by has grown by a little bit as the Alabama money came in. Is there any path, Mark Blaschen? Is there any path where Notre Dame can keep this game close? Yes. Very, very, very quite simply, yes. First and what all, is First of all, Alabama does not have a, a national championship defense. I think we've seen that time after time mm-hmm. from Mississippi to Florida. I mean, I think they, they can they can be scored upon by a good offense. I mean, I think that, that's the given. Their offense is a different question. What Notre Dame has to do, and they've already alluded to it, is uh, Ian Buck has to, has to has to, Notre Dame has to score touchdowns on six and seven minute drives. They can't score quickly. If they have if they have three or four, six or seven minute drives, that means one that means two things. Notre Dame is moving the ball and, and the Alabama offense is not on the on the field. If that happens, then it can be a competitive game into the second half. If 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 if, if we have three and outs or even if they score a touchdown in in the in, in, in minute and a half and you have the Alabama team on the field on offense, then it's going to be a shootout, and Alabama's going to win that every time, and and might, and it will win going away. So I think the answer to your question is they can keep it competitive if Notre Dame keeps and hold the ball for for sustained drives over the the period of the game. I, I think it's it's ball control and, and time management. Well, Herb, this is the thing that I, I've been telling people is that uh, there's a lot of people. It, actually, it's it's a lazy narrative that people say, well, when Alabama. And uh, Notre Dame played back in 2012. I mean, the fact of the matter, that guys, we were there. It was it was men against boys in that game down in South Florida. But the fact is, and and Herb, you know this better than anybody. Brian Kelly has done a com- complete remake 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 of that football program in the last four years. This is the fourth straight year they've won ten or more games. And this Notre Dame team, in terms of size and speed and all that. It looks nothing like that 2012 team. It's it's much better, right? No, you're you're exactly right, Tony. They they have done a great upgrade at a lot of positions, and, and really an upgrade at all the positions. The problem is that 
when you go to the skill positions, you know, the playmaker positions, you might like Ian book, but I, you know, are you, if you can pick, are you taking Mac Jones or Ian book? I think you're taking Mac Jones because he can get the ball downfield better. And I would say the same thing. It's no, it's no contest at running back. It's no contest at receiver. Uh, Now that, you know, Notre Dame is very, very good, but Alabama is out of this world. And that's the hard part. That's why I don't think that even if Notre Dame does play some ball control, I don't think ultimately that's going to matter over four quarters. I just think Alabama, you know, count up the five-star recruits, count up the depth. Uh, Alabama is just so much better in the talent department. And while Notre Dame has upgraded, I don't think it really is going to matter. No, and and Tom Lucci, we saw in the SEC championship game, when Alabama wants to run the ball with that offensive line and Najee Harris – they can flat run the ball. So they can beat you, Tom, anywhere they want to beat you. No, they, they can do anything they want on offense. I mean, they just have so many weapons. The, the, the hope Notre Dame has, besides what Mark said, is, is this. Hopefully they have learned something about things they can't do from the Clemson game. I yeah. actually think that being blown out that game will benefit them because Clemson, you know, in a lot of, in a lot of ways is the equivalent talent-wise offensively. Uh, you know, of Alabama. So, I mean, I, I would think that Brian Kelly's smart enough to have learned something from that game and to alter, dramatically alter the game plan uh, for Alabama. Do I think Notre Dame's going to win? No. Do I think they mm-hmm. can keep it respectable? I, I think because of the flaws in Alabama's defense and, and Notre Dame's ability to run the ball, I think it can be a little closer than people think. Uh, does uh, So you, you're telling me, Luch, Let's start with that 19 and a half. Alabama's not, you don't think Alabama's going to cover that 19 and a half? No, and I, and our picks are up now, and I, I did take Notre Dame in the 20, 19 and a half, 20, whatever it is. Yeah, I, I did take it because, like I say, I just, I'm giving Brian Kelly a lot of credit, as well as that Notre Dame running game. You know, I, I think what Mark talked about is, is, is spot on the ability to, to, to have uh, long uh, drives that, that, you know, Florida tried to get into a shootout because they can't run the ball. You know, that's not the way to beat Alabama. You know, the way to beat Alabama is to keep the ball away from them. And I think Notre Dame has, to a certain extent, that capability. Right. Mr. Lucci mentioned the picks. Everybody's picked six for the uh, New Year's Day games, New Year's Day bowls, uh, are currently on our website at si.com slash college slash TMG. All the picks are there. Go Go see what the smart guys are saying. Of course, I'm talking about the other three guys. All right, let's go to this. Sugar Bowl. First of all, the Rose Bowl will be on its traditional time at 5 o'clock, even though it's in Arlington, Texas. And then after that, we've got the Sugar Bowl, Clemson versus Ohio State. A year ago, uh, these two teams in the Fiesta Bowl played a, a very night, a very good, intense be all be a chippy kind of game and i got a gut feeling we're going to see another chippy game because this this game's got a little juice to it uh dabo has been very outspoken as he has been all year he voted ohio state number 11 in his final coaches poll because they hadn't played enough games in his view ryan day had a post game uh, uh locker room speech when he basically said we want clemson we want alabama we want notre dame so we shall see but Let's start with you, Mr. Blauschen. Uh, I think Clemson's favored by seven and a half, something like that. Uh, what, do you, what do you see in this game? Well, I'm intrigued because I, I don't have all the, all, the, all the information. I want to see 
uh, how healthy is this Ohio State team? And how, I mean, are they at full strength, half strength? And everyone is judging Ohio State on six games, but of those six games, I don't know if they played any of those games at full strength uh, with the players sitting out. Or I mean, Ryan Day was talking about going to practice each week, counting counting heads to see if enough players to practice. If Ohio State is at full strength, I mean, which means everyone available can play, uh, every, everyone I have is, is available to them. Then they can. Then I think they have the ability to make it a competitive game. Uh, and 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 here's where it gets interesting. I, I think the seven and a half points is the, is the key. I think this could be a very competitive game, and it could be you know 31-24. With 31-24 makes makes uh, Ohio State a winner in terms of the betters. So I, that's right. the hot type of game I think it could be. Luch, uh, here's the question. Disagree more. <laughs> let, 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 let's let's get, get well, a couple of things. I, I want your take on the game itself, Mr. Lucci. But you know, uh, the Ohio State struggled at times last week uh, uh, against that Northwestern defense. But tell tell me what you see in this game. Couple point, couple of points. I think, and this goes against my Notre Dame pick. But you use sacks for whatever you want to use. And eight of the previous twelve semifinals have been decided by at least. 17 points. We've had a lot of blowouts. Okay. Here's the thing about the, the whole key to Ohio State rests on Justin Fields because I, their defense is yep. not very good. We've seen that all year. Here's the thing Justin Fields couldn't lose the Heisman after three games. He was spectacular. Okay. Then in their final three games, they played the two of the two of the best teams that they played, Northwestern and Indiana. He had all five of his interceptions. He was a substandard passer. And he was not effective running the ball. He's also explained to me how a guy who's this mobile has been sacked 18 times. This guy mm-hmm. didn't have a pick in the first three games. Then against Indiana, he has three. Then against Northwestern, he has two. And all of a sudden, in those two games, he's sacked eight times. Well, this is the best defense they're going to face. And they're going to have to keep pace with an explosive offense. I think we saw the best of Clemson uh, as they start to peak against Notre Dame. And I think that's going to continue here. I think it's that simple. I don't think Ohio State has done enough to justify even being in the playoffs, but that's besides the point. Well, you and know, let, let me throw in here. Oh, Ohio absolutely. State, you know, a couple of things. First of all, Justin Fields, you know, he was ding. He has a little thumb problem. Now, is that going to affect him this time out? And, and more importantly, uh, because Ohio State's had such a short season, they really haven't gelled as a football team. Now, I, I'm... I still believe that they belong to be here, but I don't think that they have had the time to come together as a football team, especially because, as as you guys have correctly pointed out, that defense has not shown us a championship uh, caliber bent. You know, I, I just don't think Ohio. This is they are kind of caught in that that twilight zone of not really having a full season. We saw a lot of teams, especially in the Big Ten, that that never really got out of the gate or, or didn't do what anything near what we expected. And, and I think, you know, all credit to Ohio State for getting here, but this is not really the Ohio State team that any of us envisioned. And that's why I don't really think this game is going to be competitive. Well, guys, keep this in mind. One of the best guys in the business uh, when it comes to coming up with schemes to put different kind of pressures on a quarterback uh, and confused quarterbacks is Brett Venables. Brett Venables at, at uh, Clemson. The guy, the guy knows what he's doing. I got a feeling he's going to come up something, uh, come up with something special. And Justin Fields, 
I think, I think will struggle. So we'll see. Looks like the looks like the panel feels the same way. Another game I wanted to bring also on January first. The first game of the day on January first is going to be the, the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. Georgia versus Cincinnati. Now, let's let's face it. Cincinnati has something to prove. They want to prove they should have been given greater consideration. Uh, you can better believe that Cincinnati wants to win this game. And Blau, your buddy uh, Michael Resco, the commissioner of the AAC, how badly does he want to win this game? Oh, big time, Tony, big time. I mean, I, I, I this is this is this is everything for 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 Resco in his, in his uh, quest to have to have uh, you know American as a power power six conference team instead of a, a group of five team. My question with you, Tony, you know better than I do than anyone. Is I I want to see how motivated is Georgia? I thought Georgia team that played in the Sugar Bowl last a couple of years ago against Texas. Against Texas, totally yeah. and they, yep. they put up a stink bomb of major proportions. Uh, well, they do the same thing playing at home now, basically in Atlanta without with, with no road trip of any kind. And going to Atlanta is not a big deal for those guys. So what? So what's the motivation for for, for Georgia to play in the game? And that I well, question that and and, and with, a, with no crowd there or a minimal crowd. I mean, how are they going to get fired up to play a, a one o'clock game on New Year's Day? Uh, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm suspicious of that one. I think it's a fair question. The, the what, what I'm being told is that they're going to use. You know, Georgia did not get to have its Senior Day because Vanderbilt could not answer the bell two different times. Uh, so they're going to use this game to honor their seniors. This, hey guys, this senior class at the University of Georgia has won 43 games. This the record is forty four, so okay. they they got a chance they they got a chance to carve out their place in history uh, by winning their forty fourth game. So I think I think that's an issue. But here's one thing I want to ask: I have not seen Cincinnati play very much, but what what can you tell me, Herb Gould? You're in the, you're in that part of the. What can you tell me about their quarterback Desmond Ritter? Because everything I read is pretty glowing. Yeah, you know what? He's a good, gritty quarterback, and he's he's sneaky talented. Uh, you know, we always focus on Cincinnati's defense because that is really where they hang their hat. But uh, their quarterback got it done when he needed to. And I think the other question in my mind that I would ask you, Tony, is how healthy, you know, how how COVID healthy is Georgia? I, I think they're going to have, did I see four or five starters out? Right. Yep. You know, and, and what's the impact there beyond the psychology that of, of playing, you know, this game early in Atlanta? No question. And here's here's an, here's another factor, guys. JT Daniels, who has came on to finally be the starting quarterback for Georgia, started for the last three games. This by far will be the best defense he's faced. And so let's let's see how Daniels plays. One other thing, Tony, to throw in there, I, I, I don't know. I mean, are, are we maybe, and I don't know, I'm not saying anything definitive, seeing the AAC getting a little exposed in this bowl, bowl season? That, We're only that is, three. I mean, uh, Memphis winning at uh, beating FAU, okay, great. But UCF wasn't competitive with BYU, you know, and, and Tulane lost to Nevada, and, and Houston lost to, to Hawaii, which never wins on the mainland. So I'm just questioning the competition that Cincinnati faces, and I think this is a huge step up in that regard 
no matter how many guys for Georgia are out. Well, you, you've just identified Michael Rusko's greatest fear, okay? Uh, what for, for what they did and when they did it and how they looked and all that, everything looks great. But what if you, you get in there and so, oh, these guys are listen, – listen, guys, Georgia – has recruited at a very high level since Kirby Smart got there. I mean, they got they got four four consecutive top three recruiting classes for what again whatever it's worth. My point is is that the depth of talent team is more significant than that of the uh, Cincinnati team. So we'll see. I think it'll it'll be fun. It'll be a fun way to kick off today. Uh, let's touch on a couple of other bubbles before we before we get out of here. You know. I was really looking forward to the Orange Bowl on January 2nd, Texas A&M, North Carolina. But I'm sitting here looking at this thing. They, you know, North Carolina, we saw against Miami, we saw what they like to do. They ran for over 500 yards against Miami. That's what they like to do. But their top two running backs have both opted out of this game. So that's just got to kill you. I, I don't. Without those guys, I don't see a path for North Carolina in this game. Am I wrong, Mark Blashen, against Texas a and No, you, you're not. And and, 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 I, and I think that's the problem. I, we, I mean, Mr. Lucci and I were talking about that with, you, with the Florida, obviously. Uh, you know, and, and every other school, our players are opting out, including those at halftime. So that's, that's a factor. I mean, you're right. I mean, on paper, when that matchup was first declared, you got very excited because it looked like a, a terrific game. But now, I, I don't know. You still see the two quarterbacks going against each other, which could be entertaining. But again, is is who who who's on the field and who's not on the field is 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 part of 2020. So, Mr. Lucci, I'll ask you: Should Texas A&M prevail in this game and finish with a 91 record, 10 and one record, the only loss being to the University of Alabama uh, by 28? I might add. But if that turns out to be the case. How quickly is it going to take uh, Jimbo Fisher to get to a microphone in the postseason? <laughs> well, it'll be quick. It doesn't mean we have to listen. But, uh, <laughs> you know, especially if, if Alabama runs through this, uh, I don't think uh, he's going to have uh, Jimbo's going to have much of a case to say of anything except we're number three. You know, um, I, I just here's the thing that, about this. Sometimes I just I, listen. I understand Jimbo's under a lot of pressure, getting paid a lot of money. I, I yep. get all that. But can't you just be satisfied with making this step forward and building off that and just saying, mm-hmm. hey, we're nine and one. Uh, we're, we're probably going to finish number four in the country. That's a big step for Texas A&M. Now we have to build on it. We have to figure out a way to beat Alabama. I mean, you know, why does it always have to be, you yeah. know, getting to the microphone, whining about what, how we got screwed out of this or screwed out of that? I mean, you had a good season. You had yep. your chance against Alabama. You weren't competitive. You didn't belong in the same field. Okay, but you, you're you're a top five team. I mean, nothing wrong with that. I don't know what's what has skewed our our thinking to believe that you know you have to be number one. I mean, this is right. a pretty good season for at, at Texas A&M. Well, they they've done everything but beat Alabama, and they said, okay, we have they're very good. We we beat we beaten we have beaten everybody but Alabama. Now we got to focus on trying to do this. Fiesta Bowl is Oregon versus Iowa State. Herb Gould, why should I care? Well, you know what? You, you really shouldn't. I mean, it, it. it's just, you know, it's just a real lackluster kind of game. I mean, why they decided Iowa State deserved that more than Indiana, I don't know. Uh, you know, you could at least have a traditional Pac-12, Big Ten thing. Uh, you know, I guess it's just the thing that reminds me of it, it's just – 
this is a sawed off season, no matter what you say about it. It's just, it's just not, it's not, it's not the kind of college football season we are used to. And it, it, you know, I mean, I, I, am a believer that if you win your league, you should advance. And, you know, the system is in place for that in the new year six. So, so there's a PAC 12 team in there. And in that regard, that makes sense. But yeah, the football game itself, I mean, in Iowa state, while they are playing some good football the last couple of years, uh, you know, they're not, they're not the kind of traditional program that's going to turn on television sets. That said, Indiana wouldn't have either, but yeah, this is definitely the, uh, you know, forgotten New Year's Six bowl game. Well, that is, uh, I, I love that. I'm going to steal that. A sawed-off season when all is said and done. <laughs> I, li- I, li- I like that. All right, gentlemen, we're probably going to call it a day. As we, as we get ready to depart, what's uh, Mark Lashen, what are, you, what are you looking for in the next few days? What, what, what big unanswered question are you going to get answered? I, I think uh, I, I think we already know the answer. I think we're going to see Clemson and Alabama play part three of, of their of their trilogy here in, in a couple of weeks. I mean, that's that's what I look like to see. So. Mr. Lucci, what are you looking forward to over the next few days? I'm looking forward to seeing if there are more blowouts in the semifinals, which uh, kind of uh, wow. facilitates the talk about. I know there's still a, a, a six-year deal, I believe, with the SBN for this 14 playoff, but facilitates the the conversation about expanding the playoffs. That's what I'm looking forward to because if we have more ugly games and we have the potential for that, since Alabama's favored by 20, Clemson by seven and a half, um, somebody's got to do something. We got to add more teams. There's, there's no right. fights. We got to get some well, fights to this. Well, and, and here's the thing, and I had had this conversation with somebody today. And it's this, guys. The, the, ultimately, the argument for having an 18 playoff is going to be exactly what Tom Lucci just said. Uh, the I think we talked about this last week. In the seven years of the college football playoff, there's been 28 bids uh, granted, 20, 28 opportunities. Of those 28, five schools, five schools, the four that are playing th- this year and Oklahoma, those five schools have gotten 28 of the 22 of the 28 bids. Okay. Six other schools have one each. And so that's number one. Number two, and I had a conversation with this, uh, with a coach who said that he said, the real problem is, is the elite players understandably. So all want to go to places where they have a chance to play in the playoffs and win a national championship. Well, there's a, let's be honest, there's a limited number of schools that fit that profile right now. And so in order to, to expand the talent base and get more, as Lucci says, get more spice into it, I think ultimately, not, not the desire of the fans to have more teams, it's, it's, it's just to spread out the talent. So I, 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 listen, and the reality is, guys, when we go to eight, and it's going to happen, just a question of when, we'll have more lopsided games. That's not that's not going to change, but it's got to me. It's got to be done for the uh, overall talent and the health of the sport. But we'll we'll see. All right, guys. I think that'll put a wrap on it. We will be back next week uh, to talk about the 
national championship game, which of course is played a week from Monday, Monday, January 11th. Uh, we'll talk about that and everything else. There'll be something going on in college football. So gentlemen, thank you for your time. We appreciate it. Before we go, we want to mention again, our sponsor, uh, APA, APBA, the unchallenged king of realistic, high-quality sports simulations. And, of course, as always, we want to thank David at Revelation Studios in Mansfield, Texas. All right, until next time, folks, for Mark Blauschen, Herb Gould, Tom Lucci, I'm Tony Barnhart. Have a great New Year's Day. You be careful out there and carry on.